Hi, everybody. Welcome to the containment unit. This is Janine Melnitz. What can I do for you? Put on your bunny slippers. It's slime for the Ghostbusters containment unit podcast with your hosts, Matt and Tom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Containment Unit Podcast. As always, my name is Matt, and I am here with my good friend, Thomas Henry. Tom, how are you today? Hello. I am I am well. How are you? Uh, I'm not going to lie, man. Uh, I'm pretty jazzed. I'm pretty jazzed today. There was a huge character reveal that I can't wait to talk to you about because we haven't talked about it yet today. Uh, so we'll get there, but I'm, I'm excited. It's a good day. It's a great day. day. Yeah. So before we get there though, Tom, I want to make sure that, uh, one, we acknowledge as we have been contractually bound. Yes, we do belong to the YHS podcast network. We are under that umbrella and we are grateful. So if you haven't checked out their latest episodes or any of the new episodes, please make sure you do that immediately Two. It is time for what we lovingly call the mailbag. The mail's here. So, Tom, let's open up the mailbag this week. Did you get anything good or fun in for the collection for your personal containment unit this week? I did. I actually did. Uh, today, I a few moments ago, actually, I received a couple... Uh, signed eight by tens from the show 24 uh dennis haysbert pretty rare uh well maybe not rare but he's out of his mind and uh and personal favorite of mine uh carlos bernard uh the legendary tony almeida would this blow your mind if i told you i had no clue who that person was it would not blow my mind no uh if you haven't watched the show you have no idea who that is the but, name, the actor name, or the character <laughs> name does not ring a bell for me. No, uh, he's great. Uh, I'm a big fan of that guy. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, yeah. But let, let me let me go back. I think to last week. Yeah. You got this incredible Slimer in. I did. So uh, you had hinted that there might be oh, something yeah. to share and talk about that you didn't tell me before the podcast. Yes. So t- tell me what's up with slime, slime ball. It's rather braggy. Um, so, uh, you know, Matt, you can see here in the background, Slimer is, is very, he's up there in the corner. He's at eye level. And so I find myself when I gaze upon his majesty, I, I mm. find myself staring into his open mouth. And what I noticed is that the mouth is painted pretty awfully. It's, it's terrible. Uh, some of the teeth are unpainted. And uh, it's just, it's kind of a wreck in there. Um, and it started, it's, it started to bother me over the last week. I get it. It's mass produced. It's not the $1,200 uh, fiberglass one. It's the foam replica. I understand. And I, I was sitting here and I was like, I should take a stab at repainting it because I'm pretty competent when it comes to painting. But I was like, you're very crafty. You're very yeah. crafty. But I, I, you know, I built a pack and stuff, but I was like, I don't know necessarily how to paint a mouth. And I was like, golly gee, I wish I knew somebody that maybe had experience with this kind of thing. So uh, I I took a photo uh, of Slimer's mouth and I sent it to 
uh, friend of the show, Mark Brian Wilson. And I asked him, uh, you know, for his, his take, what would you do here? Uh, his opinion. And, and Mark uh, gave me more than I could have hoped for. Um, he like took the photo and, and he, he digitally painted it and he's like, make it look like this. And here's how. And uh, he gave me all these little tips and stuff, which, uh, which I was very pleased. I was elated by that. It was, it was a kindness of him to take time out of his day to uh, bestow upon me some, some expert knowledge. And so uh, I have a weekend project. I'm going to try to repaint Slimer's mouth. The Mark Brian Wilson. Yes, the Mark is a, Brian Wilson. He's a great guy. He is a great guy. And uh, I feel grateful that we can call him friend. Not just friend of the podcast. Not just a team member of the containment unit. That's He's right. one of the few with a shirt. But yes, he is our, our, uh, our dear, dear friend. Uh, heck of a guy. And uh, yeah, it was, it was nice of him. Yeah, he's a great guy. I, I think uh, I'm tired of talking about you, Tom. Let's talk about myself for a little bit. <laughs> oh, uh, no. Oh, you have the biggest mailbag ever. You're going to talk about it, right? Nah, I don't, I, I don't have it in hand yet. So I don't know if maybe, you know. Yes, talk about it. They're entrusted hands, right? So They, they are entrusted hands. Yeah. Uh, so I got, I got a couple things. I posted in the group. I got a Janet Margolin. Uh, or Margolin, however you want, wherever you want to put the emphasis. She was the attorney in Ghostbusters 2. Um, one, of, one of my side goals is to get as many people from the courthouse scene in my collection as possible, since that is, in my opinion, my favorite Ghostbusters scene. I just love so much about that scene and the Scolari brothers and whatnot. So uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, I got a box from you that's currently sitting in my bed, unopened. I haven't opened it yet. Uh, and so I just, I, here's what I'd like to take a moment to point out, Tom. You know, we do these signings all the time and people hem and haw about not getting their stuff returned quick enough. I just want to say, listen, I'm the last one to get my stuff and I'm, and I'm not even stressed about it. I'm not even worried about it, Tom. I'm pretty, I'm pretty Johnny on the spot with return shipping though. You it's are really the most irritating of people who, who question, you know, when they don't get it immediately, but uh, I hate having stuff around my house. And uh, as a result, I try to get it out, you know, quickly. And so, you know, I, I just want to get rid of this assumption that I must get myself, my stuff first. <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, I think someone wrote a book called Leaders Eat Last. And, you know, that's, that's what it is. Uh, you know, I'm eating last. So I can't wait to rip into that box. But in it should be my stuff from the Doug Bestwick signing. Terry Harden, I think. Uh, of course, we got the prints for the upcoming Laura Summer and Eldo signings. Then I think there's a Harold Ramis in there, you said? There is a Harold Ramis. There might be one or two other things as well. Ooh. And speaking of Ramus, Tom, you alluded to, I, I made one of the biggest purchases in my collecting career. Mega a deal. lot. A yeah, mega deal. What I'm going to do with it, I don't know yet. Not all of it, at least. Uh, I don't even know that I know everything you got in the deal. Well, we'll I talk really about it. I don't know how much you paid. But I, I bet it's a lot. We, we can talk about that off air. <laughs> Um, Amanda so, listens to the show. We can't talk about 
this one was big enough. I this one was big enough. I ran it by my wife beforehand. But uh, so here's here's the here's the thing. One of my I hesitate to use the word grail, Tom. That that's a that's a very big word for very exclusive, rare things. I don't like to just throw it around flippantly. But one of the things I have wanted so bad because my collection has really based been focused around trading cards. I have wanted for so long a Harold Ramis signed Ghostbusters 2 trading card from Tops. It came out with the second movie back in 89. Uh, it's a fun set, a little quirky, uh, but it, it's, a, it's a good set. And so you have been great in helping me keep our eyes out for a Harold Ramis signed card. We found a couple not available. I feel like I've put out some pretty great offers trying to acquire these cards in the past. Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, and rightfully respectfully. So those who have them want to hold on to them. And so I respect that. Well, fortunately one landed on eBay the other day, you caught it. You sent it my way. I submitted an offer and I got it and it's on its way. But here, here's what's incredible. Not only did they have the one in our messaging back and forth about an offer, they said, oh, we think we have another one. And so I have two, Tom. And then they just started showing me all these pictures of other things that they have. It's a long time through their mail collector, just moved, had some stuff to sell. They were trying to trim down, get some cash. And then I started getting to some Star Wars stuff. And I swore I was done with Star Wars. I never thought I'd get back into it. And then I saw that they had a couple of Alec Guinness signed Obi-Wan Kenobi photos, 8x10s. Um, they're quasi-rare. I don't get jealous much. I am jealous of those Guinnesses. And, I always uh, wanted a Guinness photo, and I've never had one because uh, they're just prohibitively expensive. But They, they are. Yeah. But I think I got a good deal on two of them coming my way. And let's see what else is in this lot. Uh, there's an Annie Potts signed trading card. There's a Michael Crichton signed Jurassic Park trading card. I've been wanting one of those for a while. There's a vintage 1970s Marvel Comics, Star Wars comic signed by Mark Hamill. There is a vintage signature style uh, Chewbacca shot signed by Peter Mayhew. It's an older one, so it's signed really nice for Peter Mayhew. And uh, it's on its way. So I'm, I'm stoked. I've got some really great pieces in the collection. What I'm going to do, with, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll give a Guinness to Tom. Uh, when he says give a Guinness to Tom, he means he's going to give me a beer to console myself. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, it, it's not in, it's in route from the UK. So I'm hopeful that uh, that'll get to me here shortly and I'll be as, as believed to be. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Really excited about that. So now I think I've got a crazy goal, Tom, and maybe people in the group can talk me out of it. But I'm going to try my hardest to get one trading card signed for that whole set. I've got a bunch already, but I'm going to try to get that whole 1989 Tops Ghostbusters 2 set signed. So we'll, we'll see where that gets me. 
you have Tim on all the Scolari brother cards, right? And a Slimer, I think. And a Slimer, okay. So then really... And then Hank Mayo signed a couple yeah. Scolaris for me. Hmm. Now, where it's yeah. going to get interesting is Wilhelm and Vigo. Only we knew somebody who had Peter McNichol on a trading card. Yep. <laughs> I, here's here's where I find Solace. They're out there. They are. Yep. We'll see. We'll see how good Bill is. Uh, hopefully, in a couple weeks. Mm. Here's here's a question, Tom. Yeah. I don't I don't think we've discussed this, but so one of the cards has got the four guys on it. Do I go for all four on the same card? I can't imagine that there's any out there. I can't imagine that you're going to get Bill to sign that small enough to leave room for Dan and Ernie. Hold the phone. You don't think Bill's going to say, oh, yeah, I'd love to sign for you. Where would you like me to sign? And what size would you like me to sign? I don't. (laughs) You're probably right. Anyhow, well, Tom, let's move on. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, first, I hear we're going to Thailand. We are going to Thailand. What the heck are we doing in Thailand, Tom? Ghostbusters Water Park, obviously. Uh, maybe it's not Ghostbusters, but Columbia Pictures Water Park. But does anybody care about the other properties? I don't care about the Bad Boys Lazy River. Uh, you know, it's all about whatever Ghostbusters nonsense they have there. Uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I so this it seems like it's a water park and a theme park, or is it just a water park? I don't know. I, I just saw like a like a graphic of of a water slide something with a stay puffed in the background. I don't know if that's actually real or fan made or whatnot, but that's how it is in my my head movies. Yeah, you know, what would you? If they were to announce that there was going to be a theme park or a slide themed for Ghostbusters, what would eight-year-old Tom Henry want that attraction to be? Eight-year-old me? All right. How about 37-year-old you? (laughs) 37-year-old me would ask for it to be a a lazy river where you float past some some ghosts, I think. Eight-year-old me would want like ecto-cooler uh, instead of water uh, and sliding into Stay Puft's mouth or something. That's not a bad idea. Well, they pay me the big bucks. That's not a bad idea. I saw there's a, a roller coaster that a fan made on YouTube. That's Ghostbusters theme. That's pretty cool. I hate roller coasters, though, so that's not about me. That's not my, that's not my speed. Yeah, I remember we... We debated going on something at Universal Studios. I can't recall what it was. Hagrid's Motorbike Adventure. I would have toughed it out with you. Yeah. Next time would it be the Velocicoaster. That's asking a lot from me. <laughs> you will know. Because, like, is it open yet? I don't think it is. It's, See, it's about to. In, in theory, by the time we go, you won't have gone on it or, or seen any or heard anything about it. And then we'll discover the terror together. Hmm. That sounds great, Tom. That sounds really riveting. So, 
uh, yeah, so it's exciting. Uh, you know, and the, the more Ghostbusters we can get and the more eyes we can get on the franchise and more new young fans we can win, uh, I, it's, that's just a really good thing. So I'm excited for this theme park. Selfishly, I hope that somehow, some way, elements of it make it over to Universal Studios here in Orlando. Seems like but, a tall order. But we'll see. Come yeah. on, Tom. It's not <laughs> impossible. All right. <clears throat> Next thing. This is what's really exciting. Today, there was a surprise character reveal, a video that was dropped from Ghostbusters HQ, Ghost Corpse itself. And uh, this reveal kind of revealed one of the worst kept secrets. There's been a lot of packaging uh, art that has slipped. Yeah, uh, lots of leaks, including a video at San Diego Comic-Con where a licensor mentioned it when they shouldn't have, and that video quickly got pulled down. Uh, But we've known about this for a while. Uh, We've seen some of the Funko Pops recently this year. And uh, yeah, totally out of the blue. It's the first footage for Afterlife since the trailer, which was a year and a half ago. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. But I'll tell you this, it made me giddy as all get out. I, it, dude, it was so refreshing and it was great. It was nice to, to see something you didn't expect and, uh, and for it to feel so much like Ghostbusters, uh, that was real nice. You, you, you pointed this out in the group when you posted it, but the music, man, like I, there's just something about the music and the throwback to the first film yeah. that automatically brought me back. It yeah. was so good. And man, I, I really loved it because you can say it's influenced by any number of things, but when you have little mini guys running around torturing each other and others, you know, you could, you could call out gremlins, you could call Mm -hmm. out Gulliver's travels, you could call out yoga hosers. For me, that is so much in the, uh, army of darkness lane that I just got so super excited because I'm an army of darkness, like fanatic. I love that movie. And it just reminded me of that. And, uh, I'm here for it such a cool concept oh i'm totally in i'm totally in and i I don't want to steal your thunder but you called out another easter egg another movie that seemed to be referenced in there yes definitely you you want to you want to talk about it i mean i don't want to you brought it up that was your brainchild i i yeah i i noticed that and i've seen a couple people on twitter have called it out since but uh, i think i noticed it on my second or third playthrough but there's a there's a marshmallow uh on the grill at the end and he's melting and he's got his he's holding a thumbs up uh like terminator 2 which which is so elite <laughs> oh it's so good yeah and it, it, there's a terminator 2 reference and then the first joke that rudd makes is uh a david lynch joke the blue velvet thing which i literally laughed out loud and i don't do that much and i'm just the tone is perfect all right so explain this to me like i'm a five-year-old or at least someone ignorant i don't get the joke what am I missing, Tom? Well, David Lynch made a movie called Blue Velvet, and it's okay. it's wacky. That's that's where Blue Velvet comes from. So him just saying Red Velvet, Blue Velvet is just it's acknowledging that movie, and it's just it's cute to say it with Red Velvet. But it's it's just a joke for adults and people who happen to know that movie. It's it's bananas. But uh, I was, uh, it, yeah, man, and yeah. it's Rudd delivering it, and Paul Rudd. He's like one of the greatest uh, living comedians, and uh, and man, it's just <sighs> that's that's what I that's where I I left away thinking, 
Paul Rudd is going to be so good in this movie. He's going to be so good. Just that it seems so effortless for him. It just seems he's he's so funny. He's so lovable. Just the scene where he pokes it in the belly, mm-hmm. the mini puffed in the belly, and then it bites and snaps at his finger like that. It was so good. Yeah, I I'm worried because I'm going to spend a lot of money on mini puffed shit when <laughs> when it starts dropping. Because uh, I already like Stay Puff stuff. I already that's like mm-hmm. a. a it's a side, you know this to be true. It's a sidebar of my collection. I, I like Slimer and Stay Puft stuff. And now it's just, I have no choice. But, but there's an interesting part of this trailer that we haven't touched on or this character reveal, I guess. Uh, and I don't want to get into like wild speculation or baseless lack of facts or anything, but it's, it's interesting to me that all the marketing material says fall 2021 considering there's a date that's locked in Mm. and they're not mentioning the date anywhere. And here in the state of California, as of June 15th, all COVID restrictions are being removed. And Los Angeles is one of the biggest markets for film, Los Angeles and New York. Mm -hmm. And so really movie theaters opening, getting back to normal are predicated on LA and New York being open. And I wouldn't be shocked if we saw afterlife a little earlier than expected. Well, that would be a gift. I, I, I hope you're right, but it, this way. just got me, this just got me so fired up for it. Yeah. So with wild speculation, you said you're not going to do it, Tom, but I'm going to ask you in your head cannon, like where do you see this falling in the storyline? You, you think, cause we see in the trailer, he has the trap. That opens up. This has got to be post that scene, I would imagine. I would think so, yeah. Well, here's the problem. I don't know that I should... See, I have. I, I know a thing from that interview that happened at Comic-Con where they mentioned something that was not in this character reveal that those characters do. And, mm-hmm. and based on that, it's, it's not... Uh, I would not say it's it's a stretch to say this happens post the trap thing. Yeah, I think it makes sense. It just seems like Paul Rudd's character, Mr. Gruberson, right? That's his name. Mm-hmm. Is the 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 shock and the awe of the trap opening up? Right. It, it to me it would indicate that that's got to be one of the first things he experiences with the supernatural in this new film before the mini puffs. Yeah, I. You know, it, like you said earlier, we we knew about the mini puffs for a while. I kind of thought what they were going to be was um, kind of in the same vein as uh, as the Citizen Ghost episode of RGB. I kind of thought, like, presuming that's Egon's farm, that there was like some marshmallow residue uh, left over ah. and that reanimated. That's kind of what I thought was going to happen. Um, so the fact that they come out of the packages and stuff um, that was really fascinating to me, and I wonder. I wonder how that's going to play because, you know, in the original film, it wasn't the marshmallows or the, or rather the eggs that were possessed. It was her apartment. So does that mean that the Walmart is possessed? <laughs> like that is clearly a Walmart. It is a Walmart. Yeah. So I don't know. The, the other thing that stressed me out when I saw it though, was from an autograph collecting standpoint, 
there's a couple of great still shots of Paul Rudd in that clip that I wouldn't mind getting signed. So all of a sudden, now I need Paul Rudd all over again, and I have him on nothing yet. Mm. I take that back. I have an 11 by 14 from Ant-Man. So you have him on nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wish um, <clears throat> I wish I could get him on some stuff. I really – I have him on the one, um, but I would love to have him on more. And I'm sure out of anybody, that one's going to happen because of the Marvel stuff. You know, you just got to pay the price. You know, I discussed this earlier. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong here, but I have no no interest in trying to do a Paul Rudd signing. I love the guy, but Marvel brings with it complications that I'm not personally interested in dealing with. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, people always ask if we're doing a signing with Paul Rudd. I, I we obviously would love to, uh, if that somehow came to be. But- like you said, the whole Marvel thing, the, the, the going rate to do that. We would need more than the uh, 50 items to make that happen. So um, that's a big undertaking. Um, but I, I need them. I'll probably need them on close to 50 things by the time this movie comes out. Yeah, I like I at the same uh, at the same time, I'm worried about getting new still shots. And I'm excited because, you know, I. I think about it in terms of, of like uh, force awakens, right. You know, if you're a big star Wars collector and you see the first photos of old Han Solo and old Leia and all that, it's like, Oh, it's so exciting. New photos for my favorite cast members, you know, but you know, as time goes by and COVID certainly doesn't help, but it's like Dan Aykroyd, we don't know how easy he's going to be in post COVID world and Bill Murray and, and Ernie even maybe, you know, and Sigourney. It's like, you have all these cast members and then, the kids you know they could go on to other things and it's just it's a whole new you know it's like you think you're out and now there's a new movie to pull you back in and yeah. uh, you got to try to get all these other cats and uh, that's why i think it's very courageous and, and brave of you tom to start a cast piece hmm. yeah I, and that i think that's almost done but but at the <laughs> same time if you're going to do a cast piece now is the time yeah, I, I did it. To your point, you don't want to wait because anybody who waited to get Carrie Fisher after The Force Awakens too long, they didn't have that chance again. Yeah, and that's why I started when I did. Like, it was half these guys are in their 70s and half I want the kids to sign it, at, you know, at close to when they made the movie, right? And uh, and I have that teaser trailer shot of the Ecto signed by, uh, it needs Bill and uh, a couple of the the smaller kids and uh, Sigourney and Annie and that's it and then it's got pretty much everybody else on it um yeah but I I started early and it, it's unfortunate for me because um I want to do the poster and and so now it's like I got to go back and do it all over again I'm not complaining it's my choice but uh but yeah it's my own damn fault <laughs> no you're brave Tom you are brave. I, I don't think it's a stretch to think that you at this point have the most complete cast piece out of anyone that's not associated with the film. Two of them. Yeah, that's true. Because I have that um, that family photo also. Oh, you had to remind me of I that know. one. I, for, I sometimes forget about it. And that then, hurts. And then I see the picture on my phone and I get all excited again. What a, what a 
crazy random happenstance that was. Yeah. Oh, and you're going to pull it out and look at it while we talk right now. Yeah, it's quite Let's nice. just add salt to the wound. Thanks, buddy. You're welcome. <laughs> I'll leave it to you in my will. Anyway. <laughs> it, it, it's great. And, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. It's creepy because I'm like you. Like, if there are kids in the film, I want their childish signature more than I want them to be a 40-year-old that I meet at the Hollywood show I later on in life. Know. Yeah. McKenna Grace is going to be 36 by the time this movie is released. Yeah, I mean, Finn Wolfhard, he looks like my older brother. So, so anyhow, uh, there's, there's a lot to be excited for. There's a lot for us in keeping with the YHS theme to be stressed about uh, regarding autograph collecting for the new film. But no matter how you look at it, I think... Today's character reveal video was just a huge, a huge breath of fresh air and excitement for me. And I can't wait to see what's next. Do you think, Tom, we'll have a, a trailer soon? I would put money on it being on Ghostbusters Day this year because, you know, clearly they are they're 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 committed to fall, which which makes sense. The movie is coming sooner rather than later. And uh, this little tidbit, I think, if you got to think about 2020, <clears throat> uh, we got nothing that whole year. You know, the last thing I, that we had was that interview, I think, with Murray. I think that was the last thing, and that was before COVID. And so, obviously, they were holding that marketing back because they didn't know when. So, the fact that we got anything makes me think that the movie is pretty much going to be coming out as expected. And so, I bet they're going to ramp to it. And, and Ghostbusters Day puts it about five months away from release. Uh-huh. Uh, that makes sense to me. The original, I mean, the, the rumor was that the trailer was going to be last April for the July release. Well, I think it was July. And um, yeah, so I feel good about it. And, and seeing other stuff, toys and, and other marketing materials. My big question is, has, is the question that I've had since day one, it's the same question that I had when it came to Force Awakens is when do we see Peter effing Venkman? Because that's, where's our chewy we're home moment? That's what yeah. I, once that happens, I can shuffle off this mortal coil and, and feel good about it. But I got to see that moment. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be great. I'd love to see something. Uh, but at the same time, I don't mind them leaving that for the film. Leave us a little something. There's no way they don't put Murray in the trailer. I, I can't imagine a scenario. Oh, I, I, I don't disagree with that. Even if it's just a quick, but if he suits up, I, I don't, I don't think they put that in the, I don't think they put that in the trailer. I don't know if I want to see it in the trailer. Hmm. I guess it depends. I really feel like Jason Reitman is going to give us all the moments that he knows are going to make us like I I expect this and maybe it's it's bad to have expectations it really is but I feel like this movie is going to feel like the like the climax I feel like it's going to feel like the climax of Endgame whereas a Ghostbusters fan you know Cap picks up the hammer like you know Venkman's suiting up and and it, I still think Sigourney's going to suit up but hey you know these things I uh I think they're going to give us the moments that we want to see after so long 
and uh, I just I, I cannot wait. I want to I want to be cryogenically frozen like Captain America uh, until like October. The well, and Sigourney is tall enough; she could probably fit into one of those Spangler suits. It'd be a little baggy, but she's the length is there. I, I mean, why not? That'd be awesome. So, she's also so, that's true. She's wasted as the damsel in distress. No, and she's worn jumpsuits already, flight suits to some degree, and, and aliens. So imagine Annie and Sigourney suiting up with the other guys. It'd be pretty wicked. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see. So Ghostbusters Day is June eighth. Yeah. Uh, you said vaccinations and all everything opens up on June fifteenth in California. By then, yeah. That's so there's no chance that we get the film dropping naturally. No, 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 no. Do you think we'll have our first um, merchandise and collectibles with mini puffs before or after June 8th? I feel like if they had them ready to go, they would have been revealed today. Also, Yesterday was Paul Rudd's birthday. Why did they wait till today to release that video? They should have dropped it yesterday, but hey, that's beside the point. I I feel like Ghostbusters Day for that. Okay. Well, it's not that far away. I can't wait to see what comes up. What other surprises they have up there up their sleeve. I, I tend to agree with you. I think if they're going to release a trailer, that's the time. And they need to have some of the OGs in there. You'll see Ernie at least. I'm almost positive because you know there was that that I think it was the special trailer they did last summer, the behind the scenes thing, and it it said oh featuring the cast Annie Potts, Ernie Hudson, like I could see them keeping Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray back, but I but I feel like we're gonna see at least Ernie, maybe Annie, uh, which that's fine. I'm I'm, good. I'm happy to see them. Especially if they play a bigger role in the movie, which who knows? We have no idea. Yeah, I, I, I think they need because even today at lunch, I was talking about with my staff that about the, the character reveal, the video and people still didn't have any idea what Afterlife is, how it works with 2016 and that the original cast is coming back. So I, I, I think from a strategy standpoint, Ghost Corps has to indicate that this film is connected to the originals and that the guys yes. are coming back because they haven't done that yet at all Mm-mm. except the ecto but that doesn't mean anything correct especially since the terrain is so different we're not in right. metro new york city we're out in the in the boondocks yes in the cornfields so to assume that those guys would be there that's not an easy yes. assumption for fans who don't know any better so yeah but think about the trailer it, i'm telling you man the first trailer for Force Awakens was the first show for Afterlife because all you saw, you had all the new characters and then it ended with the Millennium Falcon. You didn't know Han Solo was going to be in it, but the Millennium Falcon was there. And that's the same, basically beat for beat, what happened with Afterlife. It ended with the Ecto. That's the only thing that we saw that was really familiar except the Proton Pack or whatever. But uh, I feel like they'll make, because the, we didn't know at that point, I don't think, or maybe we did and we were just waiting to see what they look like, but you know, it's clear the cast is in the movie if you're paying attention um, and reading the articles and stuff. But 
the next trailer has to be for those general audiences to be like, hey, this is Ghostbusters 3 for all intents and purposes. Yeah, I do think, here's how I see it in my head. The trailer, it plays, there's no mention of the original guys, or at least no, you don't see them. And then, like you said, the Chewy were home type moment is the phone rings, Peter Venkman answers it, and there's some kind of quick, witty, sarcastic, improvised Bill Murray line, and it just fades to black. Better, better. I have a better one than that. Okay, go for it. The phone rings, you don't see who picks it up, and then it's Annie Potts saying, Ghostbusters, what do you want? Ooh. That's a big assumption there, Tom. That's assuming that Ghostbusters are still yeah, a no, working franchise. Wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome? Oh, it, would it be awesome? 100%. Yeah. So we'll just have to wait, hopefully sooner than June 8th, but hopefully no later. But uh, all right. So uh, good conversation. But let's, let's get into the conversation, the interview that we're going to share today. It's another throwback. And Tom, this is with an individual that you were excited to add to your collection from the more superior Ghostbusters film, Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm guilty. You guys can't see my hands raised. I, I really drove the signing just because I was excited to add Paige Leong to my collection. Tom, you were gracious to go along with me. There was a part of it. It was fueled with a personal vendetta to get this signing and to make it happen. Uh, but uh, I, I, was, I was glad to, to offer that signing with Paige. And, and I think in hindsight, it did a lot better than we thought it would. Yeah, I mean, you know, Paige had a very small role in the movie, uh, but uh, one time only, I'm sure. And uh, it was fun. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, Paige would almost, would probably qualify more as like cameo collection, you know, at this point. But she was very nice and, and we had a nice little chat with her and, and she was excited to see, you know, the items and, and she was surprised that people would, would care to, to add her signature to stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was, it was cool. And for those of you who are listening and you have no idea who Paige Leong is, she was Spangler's assistant in Ghostbusters 2 when he is doing the weird emotion tests. I don't, I don't, know, how, I don't know how you would describe that, but turning up the, the heat in the room on the angry couple and seeing how that would impact their emotions and their feelings and then taking away the puppies to make Catherine Reitman cry so that, that that was a fun interview is there tom is there anything else that we need to add no not really signing was fine went fine it was, it was socially distanced yeah it was socially distanced it was covid it was running rampant um but yeah it was good it was a good time we had a nice chat and with that don't be a peck uh if you find yourself uh, feeling like a peck, go watch the uh, Afterlife character reveal and uh, and revel in the cuteness of the, the mini puffs. Without further ado, our chat with Spangler's assistant, Paige Leon.
again, Paige, thank you for making time for us and our uh, group, the Ghostbusters Containment Unit. Tom and I are very excited to spend some time with you. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but I've got my Ghostbusters 2 colors on. Tom's got his Ghostbuster 1 colors on. I'm a Ghostbusters 2 guy. And so uh, you're part of my film. And so I'm very happy <laughs> to have you. Uh, the, um, the first question I had, and part of it is I have three kids. Um, they're all younger, but they all dance. And so we, go, we are in dance competitions all the time. And so I know that you started off dancing. And so I was just curious what your background was. What kind of dances did you do? Uh, what, what style did you like? And Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I was a concert dancer. I got my bachelor's and master's at UCLA in wow. dance and toured around the world uh, with different companies. Uh, then segued a little bit into um, commercial dancing a little bit, you know, music video, that world, that yeah. kind of thing. And then I started talking and that was the end of that. It was just sort of like, oh, now we're acting. And I've been doing that ever since. That's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. So how... Always with a little, you know, body language. Yeah. That, that never goes away. So how do you get from traveling the world and performing on the stages like that to acting? Like, how did that work for you? Um, it was a really natural segue in some ways because I was used to, you know, performing and mm -hmm. um, sort of getting in touch with, like, a truth and putting it out there. Um, so just adding words to that was um, just invigorated me as a performer. Like, honestly, the first time I did a scene, my teeth, would not stop chattering for three days. I just like, and then I knew, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do because <laughs> it had such a big impact. So mm -hmm. yeah, I feel blessed to have found it. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I don't want to, I want to dive in, um, you know, because obviously you're, you're a big piece of, of uh, Ghostbusters 2 and that, that scene with Harold in his, in his laboratory. And so, you know, we definitely want to ask about that, but I, I want to know how did you get connected with Ghostbusters 2? How do you go from, from the, the dancing, like Matt said, but then now all of a sudden you're in, in a sequel to like one of the biggest movies of all time? Oh gosh, you know, I wish I could remember. Um, I, I, you know, I think my agent just got me submitted. I met with Michael, you know, and then boom, that was, that was it. <laughs> It's kind of like a flash. I don't know. <laughs> that, just that simple, huh? Just boom. No, that's awesome. What yeah. was it? So your scene is very memorable in the film. Um, Scott and I joke back and forth about the take the puppies away line. You know, it's a very funny scene. Uh, how is it working with Harold? We all have great admiration for Harold Ramis. And I'm just curious what your time on the set with him was like and any takeaways you may have had. He was a really down to earth, really sweet man. I mean, we were it must have been winter time. You guys probably know the exact date. But uh, I remember um, him talking about a ski trip his family was going to go on. And so I think it was right before maybe Christmas break or something. I'm not sure. But that's my fuzzy memory of it. And um, he was definitely a family man and very uh generous conversational you know not at all standoffish just very genuine guy yeah yeah, yeah I, enjoyed it. I enjoyed working with him so you know after ghostbusters 2 uh you do the movie it comes out and then it kind of 
you move on to your next project, you know, to come back to thinking about Ghostbusters now, you know, years, decades later, uh, you know, when Scott says, hey, we're going to go do a con or we're going to do a signing with these Ghostbusters fans. I mean, does that does that shock you that people are interested in this movie from so long ago? Like, what's your take on Ghostbusters today? Oh, wow. Um, does it shock me? It surprises me and kind of delights me that, you know, it's still bringing joy to this world and then, and more generations are are being introduced to it. And it's just got this life of its own that um, that's pretty cool because you always think of this um, film industry as, you know, a little piece of immortality in some way. And this is like kind of a sign of that, right? I, it just lives on in people's uh, lives and hearts. And that is really cool. Cool. See, yeah. you're in an interesting spot too in, in my world because you cross over from Ghostbusters, which I love so very much, but I'm also, you're in one of my like favorite films of all time because it's, it's just a really good film. And I'm a really, really huge fan of this guy as an actor and a director, um, but you were in Argo uh, with Ben Affleck as actor and director. So I, I just wondered if you could just share a little bit with us about what is it working, what was it like working with Ben as a director versus as an actor? Oh, wow, versus as an actor. Ben is super smart. Like he just was like thinking all the time about all the parts and then he'd become the actor and like become, just disappear into this presence that was just there. And then he came back out and he goes, okay, now we're gonna, you know, da 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 And um, yeah, I think he really knows how to tell a story. And that, that was what really impressed me. Like he just mm -hmm. took all the elements and made them add up into something none of us could have foreseen. Like I remember seeing the screening and uh, John Goodman was sitting behind me and uh, we were in a little screening room and then the lights came up and we just turned to each other with our jaws dropped open because, I mean, it just leapt further off the page than either of us could have imagined. Right, and that took the award season too by storm. I mean, I mean we're talking best picture here and that's, that's quite an accomplishment. Uh, so how, how does it feel being part of a movie that is in the history books as, as one of the greatest films of all time because it won that award? Like, how does that feel? It feels like a huge privilege. It really does. Um, and that it has, you know, relevance, uh, and I think will, you know, for quite some time, not just as a historical uh, piece, but, you know, a lesson around humanity, what we, what we can do and what we shouldn't do. <laughs> yeah. So looking over, uh, here's what I'm curious about. I am not an actor, I'm not great at it at all, but I can appreciate the, the skill and the, the talent it takes. But you've been, you've been, you've acted on stage and on film, writer, director, choreographer. Um, how, what is the difference? Like as, as a practitioner of uh, acting and all that, how, what's the big difference from stage to film? Um, wow. Well, uh, some people have described it as aperture, like in a camera, mm -hmm. you know, that uh, the aperture is like wide open for stage, you know, so that you're putting out a certain amount of energy for that. And then for film, it's like you just narrow it down. 
you know, into a very uh, a much quieter, but concentrated stream, mm -hmm. you know, or, or like painting, the difference between doing, you know, a uh, big, uh, not broad, I don't want to say broad, because there is detail and depth to stage acting, but there's an, an amplification to it that uh, is just uh, much smaller in film, but it's still from the same source, still from, you know, whatever truth and you're grounding your, um, your part in and whatever piece of the story um, you're telling. That's the other thing. The process is very different, you know, for theater, it's just a much longer mm -hmm. uh, process of finding and interpreting the story and the characters and then film, you just all come together like this crazy implosion almost, you know, to create something together in the moment. So when you're, when you're live on stage in theater, do you carry like this pressure to get it right? Whereas I would imagine with film, there's multiple cuts and multiple takes. And so you probably don't feel that as much as, or when you're on stage, are you able just to feed on the energy and kind of just be in the moment and that fear kind of go away? Uh, for me on stage, uh, you know, you're taking a full journey. So you're not just doing one plot point, right? So you can, for me, I, I can be carried by that journey and get lost in that journey and be taken by that journey. Uh, whereas in film, when you're doing something over, you kind of come out of it and you think, okay, we're going to adjust this way, or I can do that. I like this about it, or they wanted this, or they want this, you know, spot in that mm -hmm. spot over there. Um, so you're, you're much more going back and forth between your left and right brain. Um, and it's just a skill to be able to drop whatever technical things were, mm -hmm. were, were uh, talked about and then drop back into to the moment. So different skill set, um, and definitely for me easier to just get lost in the in on stage. Yeah, or found on stage. <laughs> it's interesting that you said the full journey because uh, I was in theater in high school, but it's you that that moment that night on the stage that that lives and dies in the moment, and it, it's kind of gone after the night to the sands of time. Versus you know with a film. You know, the work that you do, it may end up in the movie, it may not, things change, studios get involved and all that, and, and who knows what it's gonna look like, but it's then out there in the ether forever. And so that, that's my long roundabout way of winding it back to a question that Scott would, would be remiss if we didn't ask. Did you shoot a scene where you took away the puppy? And if so, how did you deal with Catherine Reitman and her, uh, her attitude about it, I'm sure. <laughs> I wish I could remember. I don't, I don't think we did. I'm not sure. It'd be, it would have been a pretty funny one, uh, but you know, gotta, it, the way funny it's in the if movie. you like kids like, crying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Um, and I can't even, I'm trying to remember if Carol came up with that in the moment. I don't know, maybe you guys know. <laughs> You know, it sounds like something. I kind 100%. of feel like you did, um, but don't hold me to that. I'm not. Well, it's just so like a faint memory. Yeah, so much of Ghostbusters for both films, the charm is just the ability of those guys to improv on the spot. Yeah, um, and unfortunately, um, and, and Tom knows this well too, is there's not a lot out there on Ghostbusters too. There's a lot more on Ghostbusters the first film. 
behind the scenes and all that, but not a lot for Ghostbusters too. So we don't know a whole lot. And so that's why we're fascinated that we get to have opportunities like this to talk to you about it a little bit. Right. Um, so last question for you. When you look back over your career and you know, Star Trek is a big thing that a lot of people are into, Ghostbusters, all your work on, on stage and theater. What is it that makes you the most proud? What are you the most proud of, of what you've been able to accomplish or do in your career? Oh, the most proud. Well, I've been working with Cornerstone Theater Company for 20 some odd years and we do community engaged work uh, and we create plays with and about communities um, all over Los Angeles and California and across the nation and um, telling stories that um, are rarely told, mm. um, you know, about people that we maybe don't interface with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, that's what I'm really, really proud of is making that connection personally, bringing that connection uh, through the community, bringing that con connection to uh, the broader world. Because um, it's all about being human, right? When it comes Absolutely. down to it in yeah. any of these forms. So uh, that one speaks the loudest in terms of uh, my personal human contact. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And, and again, I, I love being able to hear that. I know so much of dance and acting and, and writing, especially, is all about telling that story. And um, we're very thankful that we get to hear that and, and get to share that in this moment with you, Paige. And so, again, we are so thankful that you've made time to speak with us today and talk about your career a little bit. Thankful that you're allowing us to send stuff and, and have you sign stuff for our collections because. Our heart is we want collectors to be able to get true, authentic, because there's so many fake things out there and so many scams and this, that, and the other. We just want to help collectors like Tom and I get pieces they wouldn't be able to get and get stuff that's real and that they can trust. And so thank you for being available to help us with that. And, of course. Um, My pleasure, and, really. Yeah. And we just, we wish you all the best, especially in this weird season that we're in. And we look forward to being in touch with you again here very soon. Yes, me too. And I'm wishing all of you the best. And I can't, I'm sorry we can't see each other in person right now, but hopefully we will someday. Are you troubled by autograph forgeries online? Do you collect spores, molds, and Ghostbusters memorabilia? Have you or your family been looking for a safe place to go to add to your collection? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Check out the containment unit on Facebook, Instagram, or visit us at ghostbustersautographs.com.